Hello and welcome to Beyond the Page, a Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I'm talking with Hallie Scott. Uh, Hallie is the author of Hope Beyond an Empty Cradle, which is a book about child loss. Uh, Hallie, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Josh. Now, I, I want, just, just to begin, I want to make it clear to our listeners that we're going to be talking about a rather sensitive topic today. We're going to be talking about child loss. And if you're here because you have sought this episode out specifically, then you probably know what you're getting into. Uh, you've, you've agreed to partner with us in this conversation. But for those of you who just listen to every episode, you've subscribed to the podcast and it just popped up on your iPhone and you're like, oh, the latest episode is out. I, I just want to make it clear that the conversation that we're going to have is a very important conversation, uh, but it's not going to be an easy one. Uh, so Hattie, first of all, thank you for being willing to come on the podcast because this book, Hope Beyond an Empty Cradle, it's written out of your own personal and professional experience. And it's it's such a brave book to write because of the emotions and the memories that I know come come with that. And it's even braver to speak that story out loud because writing writing is a solitary endeavor. It's it's you and the computer screen and public speaking even can to a crowd can feel solitary, but having a conversation one-on-one -on -one with another person is a lot different. So I want to thank you for your willingness to be vulnerable and to share your story with us today. No, Josh, thank you for having me cuz I think it's important to have these conversations. Um, and I do think that the women who have gone through this just want to open the door to that conversation mm -hmm. rather than sitting in their own silence around it. Yeah, it, it's such so a it's it's a hard topic for there to be an icebreaker because the the yeah. people who need this conversation the most are also the people for whom it's going to be most difficult to have this conversation or listen to this conversation. Uh, so as we yeah, begin, absolutely. for those people who they might be listening to this and they're not sure whether they want to continue or not, uh, what what advice would you give them to sort of break the ice and begin this conversation? Um, I would say to please sit and just be open to the possibility of being okay with the conversation and just do your absolute best to just kind of sit with whatever is going on for you and just breathe it through mm -hmm. and just be, you know? And I think, I mean, not to segue into anything, so I apologize for this, but I think if that's the only message that some people can hear, then great. Let's just sit with our discomfort and move forward. Mm -hmm. um, just so we have this out here at the beginning, can you give us just sort of your elevator pitch for the book and what it covers, what it's about? Sure. Um, so for obviously a lot of people don't know, but in 2009, my husband and I delivered our daughter and she was stillborn. And out of that became kind of this journey of um, as being a therapist, not anticipating this kind of pain 
just sent me into sort of this new journey of what the human experience can be. Um, and so then I started meeting all these other moms that had miscarriages and late stage miscarriages and their children have died or they've had stillbirth. And I just realized how much silence was around it and then how much re-traumatization was around it. And I just felt called to write this book to say, this is a real valid thing. So let, let's, let's look at this a different way. Mm-hmm. So that's what the book is about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that you, you, you probably could have hidden the personal side and just written this from your professional perspective. How important was it for you to talk about your own personal experience with stillbirth and miscarriage? Um, I think it was super important. <laughs> and the thing nobody knows about me is how private I am. So it would have been so easy for me to hide it. Mm-hmm. Um, so putting it out there is sort of a challenge. But I think we need to... I think I would be doing the same thing that I'm telling people not to do and saying like, like hold this close to you, hold this and carry it alone and carry the pain and, and feel in moments crazy about it. But I also wanted to say like, Hey, I have a daughter and nobody gets to know her. Yeah. So I think that became important mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. It's, it, it, you you were able to tell your daughter's story through this. Yeah. And yeah, which was Go ahead. I was just going to say that it just felt really important in the mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And that, that that enables other people to to tell their own their own stories of loss. Yeah. And the stories of the yeah. children that um things didn't go the way that they expected or that they hoped. There is there is so much uh, stigma around even having this discussion. Uh, Why? Because historically, you know, if we look back to, oh, my gosh, even 100 years ago, the mortality rate of infants was higher than it is now. And, you know, 500 years ago, you were lucky if you lived past the age of three. Um, Yeah. Do you feel like I, I I I guess I haven't researched this historically, but I feel like you would have to be way more open about death in that sense in those earlier times. Why do you think that we seem so closed off to that conversation now? I think because it's so painful and we live in such a society that if you're feeling pain or you're feeling discomfort, snap out of it, get out of Mm -hmm. it as quick as you can, because we don't have to live in that pain. Mm -hmm. And the, and the conversation around child loss is painful. You know, people don't want to, they don't want to go into that. I feel like we have, we have, we have so much that's good in our lives that the, mm-hmm. the, the expectation seems to be you have all these other good things that you could focus on this yeah. the, you know the, this should be something that you can you should get over 
Um, yeah. And I think one of the things you write in the book is that this isn't the, the grief that you experience with child loss is not a grief that is going to go away. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. And I think if we speak historically, the, the model for therapy is when there's a loss or grief, you go into therapy mm-hmm. and you work through the, the grief mm-hmm. and you move on from it. But with child loss, you just carry it with you. And so that if we can change the conversation to whatever loss you're, you're in, if you, if that grief is with you, it's okay. And you can live your life still fully with that grief. So I, I, I believe that we don't always have to put out the message that we're happy all the time or life is great all the time. And if I have this one bubble of sad, then I'm still okay. I'm still a worthwhile person that can still be in relationships and go to work and do all the things that we're expected to do mm-hmm. while I carry my grief with me. Mm-hmm. I think as I've, as I've sort of contemplated this uh, in the wake of, of having read your book, then what I sort of found is that in, in, in the, in the secular, on the secular side of things in the secular community, then then uh, something like a miscarriage uh, can be pretty much downplayed as as um, you know just a mass of tissue. The fetus isn't isn't yeah. human, isn't al- alive. Yeah. Yet whatever terminology people want to use. Uh, as a matter of fact, I re- I recall reading um, um, Michelle Obama's um, autobiography or memoir, and she talks about mm-hmm. her own uh, her own miscarriage and how she came to have peace she said was the realization that it was just a massive tissue and i i it was yeah you know and i yeah. i don't know where you stand out on the political spectrum or anything uh, but politics aside you know i i just had to read that chapter and just weep over what i felt yeah. like she had lost in that yes right like it's 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 our way of trying to minimize our own pain and say, but that's okay because it's just A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. It's just tissue. So it's fine. And on the end of that, we jump into, and I can have another one. Mm-hmm. I can just go do this again. But that doesn't take away from the pain that all that tissue is lost. That's a child. That's your baby. Mm-hmm. And I And I just, like can we just sit with that and just be okay with like, I'm sad. Yeah. 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 That, yeah, that the need and, and that kind of leads me into on the Christian side of things. And this is, we, we sort of come full circle around and kind of make the mistake on the other side is that because we have this theology of celebration that, you know, Jesus, Jesus yeah. is here uh, everything should be good. Yeah. You know, God's given me all good things. He's blessed me. So then when that yeah. blessing doesn't come, we don't, yeah. know, we don't know how to lament. Right. Right. And, the, and we take it sort of to this personal level of, 
why couldn't I have that this mm-hmm. entitlement of, but I should be able to, which then jumps us into the anger piece and we just jump right over our sadness. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we don't value sadness enough, actually. Yeah. If what, I can be. And, and I mean, I, I feel like I, I know how you're going to answer this, but I, I want just to hear it in your <laughs> words. Um, a lot of times, you know, we, we, and, and we can even know this on one level, but not apply it to ourselves. Um, we've kind of put a timetable on like, okay, um, yeah. at the end of week one, it's okay to be sad at the end of month one. I can be a little sad at the end of year one. I should be good. And yeah what we we want to know that we're improving in our you know mental health and our in the way that we're processing right. grief how do we right. how i guess how do we put together appropriate um progress markings that aren't tied to time that is a really good question <laughs> um <laughs> Thanks for asking that one, Josh. Yeah, my question um, changed halfway through because I was just going to ask you, should we be setting road marks? And then I was like, no, you know, <laughs> I know how she answered that one. Just, just ask it this way. Yeah. You're the professional. You tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just do that for you. Um, here's the deal with, with like, let's just, let's just get honest, okay? Um. Nobody gets to tell anyone. Nobody gets to tell me what my grief gets to look like. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets to tell me whether I'm he- I'm progressing, I'm healing, I'm moving forward, I'm doing it correctly, other than sort of me. Um, people, my support system, my family, they can voice concern, they can voice, you know, wonderment. Um, but if we throw out these, these markers of what it should look like, like who determines those markers? Mm -hmm. I mean, usually it's the people who haven't experienced loss. So, or any sort of sadness. Um, so the only true, I guess, way to know is if internally you begin to recognize I'm stronger. I feel stronger. Mm-hmm. And because the signs of feeling stronger are so small and minute, support system doesn't always see that. Mm-hmm. So you got to go internal and recognize you're not crazy or stuck. That would be my answer. Okay. So, like, the beginning of it then is it, it's okay to be sad. And it, it's okay to realize yeah. that you're going to carry this grief with you. Yes. And, and if you're if you're concerned about yourself because you're, you are feeling or experiencing yourself as more sad than you think you should be, or you can't get out of bed after six months, probably three months, um, 
then there are signs that maybe I want to go see a professional. Mm-hmm. But if every day or every other day I'm getting out of bed and I'm feeding myself and I've, you know, had two glasses of water and then three weeks from now I've had six glasses of water, I can see that I'm, I'm building up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's having that awareness of yourself. And that, and that means that you have to be emotionally open uh, to yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's very easy. Yeah. It's very easy when you say, I don't want to feel those feelings at all. So you close yourself out or, or if you think that I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to be sad. Um, it keeps you from actually progressing, um, or healing from, from that trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So if we, and I think realistically, if we give ourselves just a moment to not begin with ourselves because we, you know, the immediate aftermath or on the shock play. But when we come out of that, if we can just be honest with ourselves and check in and recognize all the messages we're getting from other people, recognize what's really going on for us and to see the the progress. Even if even if you check in with yourself and you're really present one day and the next day you're not, but three days later you come back to it. You just hold on to those moments of, yeah, I'm seeing a, a smidge of progress, a smidge of healing, or a smidge of, I can see the sun today. Mm-hmm. That's what we hold on to. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did it look like for you personally when you experienced first stillbirth and then miscarriage? What, what was your healing process in the immediate aftermath of that? like for you um when we lost abby the immediate was a lot of um giving uh, it was a lot of shutting my like avoidance for moments but then giving myself the time i needed to just sit in uh the pain mm-hmm. of it. Um, and that went on. Gosh, I think I, it's hard to look back and know the exact timeline for me because I just picture myself in the days after. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think I was looking at a solid four to six weeks of just Feeling not myself in moments, feeling tremendous pain in other moments, and then sort of taking a break from all of that and just, I I think I watched mindless TV for part of that. Mm-hmm. And then at about the six-week mark after Abby died, I I began to look towards what, what do I need to do next. Mm-hmm. Um and then after the our miscarriage, um, I, I it, it felt so. I don't know. I don't know if the word is like definite. Like okay, I 
I need the next steps if I'm going to keep on this path of trying to have a child. And so I think that miscarriage grief for me didn't happen until after our journey of IVF and adoption mm-hmm. all ended that I could just sit with sort of a big pile of loss and I'm not going to be a mom on earth to a child mm-hmm. on earth. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how that is how that played out for me. Yeah. I think that you know, you, you've gone through that traumatic experience once. So then when you experience something similar a second time, part of your brain goes, I've been here before. Um, yeah. And that both is, that both can be helpful in processing. Um, but right. it can also put you in a place where, because part of your brain can go, I've done this once, I don't have to do it again. Then you never do it again. Uh, yeah. And it's still needed yeah. to make sure that you go through that grieving process, you know, each time. Yeah. Right. You, you mentioned that um, after the miscarriage, you, you tried IVF, um, you, you tried adoption um, and in, in your case, just nothing, nothing came to fruition. At what point <laughs> did you eventually say, okay, God, this, like, we're giving this over to you. We don't think this is, you know, I, 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 I'm hesitating to just bluntly say the words give up. Uh, but maybe, right. I, but maybe I do want to say that just because that's giving expression to how people might feel in that moment. Um, how did yeah. you, how did you uh, yeah. make your peace with with changing the decision that you made that we are going to have a child here on Earth? Um, I think I don't think <laughs> I know. Um. When my husband and I decided, we put, for us, we put time limits and, not values, but time limits and how many times we're going to do this before we decided this was not the journey for us. So in my IVF journey, we said we would do three rounds and then we wouldn't pursue that further. And in the adoption journey, we... um I don't remember the timeline we gave it, um, but we went into it with a timeline, and there were a few hope a few there were there were a few hopefuls in there, and at the end of it, when it didn't pan out, I don't know if it was so much a for me a giving up, but sort of a um, I th- well I wrestled with. Like, was I faithful enough? Mm-hmm. And what does this mean? Um, but I think it was an acceptance. I think I had been through enough uh, disappointment or giving up or heartbreak that it just became sort of a tired acceptance. Like, mm-hmm. I've done the journey and here I am. So that's how, personally, that was our journey for that. Mm-hmm. And 
for for myself, for my own family, uh, we have two adopted children, and we have two failed adoptions. And mm-hmm. so, as I'm reading your book, I I I, I don't have any direct or indirect uh, experience with stillbirth or miscarriage. I have friends um, who have experienced it. So everything that I'm reading in what you're saying about going through the process of grief and, and so on, it's okay to be sad. Is this going to stay with you? You know, I'm applying to the context that I know. Sure. Uh, and it was, so the book for me was helpful, uh, even though I'm on the other side of those losses now in the sense that, uh, when I think of them, I'm sad about them mm-hmm. and they're, but, but I'm, I see, I can see the way the trajectory that my life has taken as a result of that. And I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. You know, I would be willing to go through the trauma and the loss because I also know that it has led me to those redemptive moments that I've seen. Love that. Um, I, I think one of the, one of the interesting, interesting things about adoption loss is that, you know, there's, there's a child who's still alive yeah. And it's, it's just not yours. And that was that was the hardest part for our family. The the first our first adoption loss uh in 2015 uh, involved an international adoption and um the child was was reclaimed by his birth parents after having been in an orphanage. Wow. Years. And wow. you know at the time we're going is this child safe? You know, right. what, what circumstances uh, were surrounding any of this? And it, it's a, it's a very, it's a very long story and, and not, it's not all my story. Uh, so it's not a story mm-hmm. that I can share publicly. Uh, but, but there, there's a redemptive value to seeing, uh, like I, I can look back on that and we, we are now in contact with that family and know that that child is doing well. I love that. That's and good. to see the, so it's like, I have seen, I have seen the redemptive side of loss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and our, our second adoption loss was a bit different, but it, it led us on a journey that took us to, uh, where we are now and took us to the child that we eventually did adopt. So there, there, are, there are redemptive sides to all of, all of these losses. Um, for you, what redemptiveness have you gleaned from your journey? Another excellent question, Josh. <laughs> Um, 
I also have a sarcastic side, so I want to say when I find out, I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I, that's a part of it, too, um, I, I yeah, will say. Right? That's a part of it. Yeah. It, it, um, I think for me, in, in my journey, like people have said to me, the book is really the redemptive piece. You're helping so many people mm-hmm. and all of those kind, kind words. And um, I think part of me believes that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a part of me that's, that uh, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I think the redemptive piece is that I'm able to, like the women I work with who've been through some sort of child loss, I think I, I can get them and that's helpful for them. Um and I think for for me, it's just like, okay, I can get this now. Mm-hmm. So far, that's the only redemptive piece I've seen mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, I, I also want to say that I, I think there can be a tendency in Christian circles to try to ascribe meaning to a loss. And yeah. I, I certainly like don't don't want to do that here. Um, because, you know, oh, God, you know, God killed your kids so that you could. And that's not, you know, that's not the case. But you hear, you hear things like that. Um, Yeah. You know, again, you know, yeah, going, it's going through the losses that I know, you know, personally. And again, it's different. It was the, well, you know, I, I have the benefit of being able to look back and and see like you can pick the good out of it and you can say right. you can say I'm fine like where I'm at is not where I had hoped I would be but right. it's 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 where I'm going to be at and right. you can take the good you you can pick you can pick the good out of the bad while still acknowledging that the bad is very bad and that nothing is yeah. going to to outweigh that. Right. Right. And I think that's part of the challenge, right? You learn to live in the that tension between this is real bad and there's good over here, but the good won't outweigh that bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to live with both. Mm-hmm. And... And today I might not see a redemptive peace. And even when I do find the redemptive peace, that doesn't make up for the good or the bad necessarily. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. other days it might. So it's just sort of a constant fluid movement of this is where I am today. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we have to be okay with that. Yeah, I think just. I getting, think when we're not okay with it, is the trouble. Mm-hmm. Sorry, to interrupt you. that's fine. Just just getting through the day, every day. Like every every day is a new. Every day is a new day to process the loss you've had. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to talk about, and we'll, we'll sort of close after this. Um, and I I was gonna say this might be a, ending on a little bit of a lighter note, and I it, it's a little bit lighter. But it's still it's still pretty heavy. Um, 
are the it's the things that people say. It's the things that people say. All the things. Because it reminded me there's there's this scene in the Gospels during Jesus' transfiguration, and you know you've got Moses and Elijah and Jesus, and they're all up there on the mountain, and and uh, uh, Peter, James, and John are watching, and everyone is speechless except mm-hmm. for Peter. And the the verse in the Bible says, and he did not know what to say, so he said. Right. And I feel like that right. phrase captures the way that most people respond to child loss. They don't know what to say, and so they say the most unhelpful and unintentionally hurtful things. Yes. What? Yes. What should we say instead? Um, the thing that I, the, the, the thing that we want to say is I'm so, so sorry. How can I be of help? What do you need? And if they don't have the answer, then you say, let me get you a glass of water and I'll just sit here with you. But, but other than that, there's nothing to say. There is, tell me about your child. There is, tell me how you are. And there is, tell me what you need. But outside of that, um, it gets pretty hairy. If, even, even in words like, you know, God loves you, those can that can feel like a dagger sometimes, so you have to be kind of careful with it. Mm-hmm. Um, even even for the most, for lack of a better term, but the most godly, that can still be a dagger. So you just you just sit, and you just listen, and you have conversation of tell me about your child and tell me about your experience, and I will sit and I will listen. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't have a better way of concluding this interview uh, <laughs> other than to say <laughs> the book releases in June. Uh, it's, Thanks for reading my book, Josh. It's I hope, that. hope Beyond an Empty Cradle. It releases in June. Um, Hallie Scott is the author, and it's the the way that the book focuses on how it is okay to grieve, I think, was the biggest takeaway for me. Uh, and, and and again, I understand that my perspective on child loss is, is atypical to your general audience. Um, but it made, it, it helped me understand how I felt like like what I felt I, I should do to someone who has undergone that loss and what I, what I would want them to know. And I think what I would want them to know is just the statement, this is bad and yeah, it's okay to grieve.